Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 6, Episode 21. My name is Tim Intra. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kulin, who's back in Mississauga, Ontario. Hey, I'm back. Hello there, kids. And we also are joined on the line back in Seattle, Washington, Jaime Lopez Jr. How's it going? Although he was back last week, too, but, you know. Should we do, like, our three-part harmony. harmony of the boys are back in town? Uh, guess <laughs> who's coming back to town? Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So we got some fact check. Uh, Voight, or sorry, well, let me say it again. Vought is not spelt like Voight as in John Voight. It's V-O-U-G-H-T. So, yeah, that, that one. There we go, because we were wondering about that pronunciation and spelling. Yeah, and I was talking about the CTV uh, sci-fi channel, otherwise known as Space. Um, they played the original series on Monday. They played TNG on Tuesday and Wednesday, and they played Voyager on Thursday and Friday. So there is no DS Deep Space Nine love on CTV's sci-fi that I know of. And um, what was that? I was looking at a channel the other day. I think, was it Netflix that has Star Trek on it, Jonathan? Do you know? I we were talking about. Don't. I noticed the the you know the I went to Netflix the other day and it, it was like hey you can watch these shows and and I saw Captain or William Shatner as Captain Kirk in there and I thought hmm let me have a quick look I'm looking right now I guess we oh just look could tell us too oh, right here we go yeah Star Trek Deep Space Nine original series Next Generation Voyager Enterprise animated series yeah hmm. Lots of choices. Not no 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 new track, just old track. Yeah, but we were talking about the fact that um, uh, Crave is getting rid of track, right? In general, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all being assumed by Paramount Plus. So if you have uh, Netflix Canada for the time being, anyways, and again, I don't know if that that's not expiring too, but that uh, as of as of today, you can watch all the classic track, anyways. And it says. Yeah, three seasons on Netflix. Oh, three seasons on Netflix, it says. Oh, there was only three seasons, never mind. Uh, CTV Space and Paramount. Paramount. Oh, there's one season on Paramount Plus. That's weird. Weird. And it's also going oh, HD. And you can, obviously, you can buy it on. You can buy it on the Apple TV as well, on the iTunes. Ooh. All right, and I was talking about the devices that uh, showed up, uh, especially in, I think, not this episode but the one previous uh the medical scanners that uh, we saw you know a little cigarette lighter thing and uh apparently there's a scene in uh there's a scene sometimes you see mccoy on his on his side table has a bunch of little um medical looking instruments made out of aluminum and stuff like that and apparently those are are swedish salt and pepper shakers and uh but the medical scanner is what they officially call that little cigarette lighter thing that i was trying to figure out what the name of it was right no, yeah, because I think Uhura uses it in the last, the not not but one episode. How do you say that? Penultimate? Yeah. Penultimate. Yeah, and then a friend of the show, Keen, um, he was telling me in the office that uh, 
Kirk did, in fact, know that David was his son in The Wrath of Khan. And uh, so after fighting with David, I went back and watched the, sh the episode just to see this part. Uh, when they when they beam down to the planet, to the Genesis planet, um, David and those guys are hiding, and he attacks Kirk, and they have a little tussle. And then uh, after fighting with him, and um, you know they send you know um, Savick and David to go off and play with McCoy in the back room there, and uh, he says, "Is that David to Carol Marcus?" So he knew, in fact, that because then later when they're 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 chatting, he says, "I did what you wanted. I stayed away." Why didn't you tell him? And then, you know, and then, of course, paraphrasing a bit, she says, were we together? Were, were we going to be? I wanted him, you know, uh, in my world, not chasing after his father, which is, I think, what Jaime, did you say that, Jaime, or did, I think, Keen said that? Uh, I don't think I had enough recollection. I just was asking the question because the episode we had seen, it's like, oh, Kirk knows that Dr. Marcus is, is pregnant. And we were wondering, is that a retcon or... Uh, did he um, did he know or not know? And that's the fact check here for Rathacon. Sounds like because, he, I mean, he, did, he did imply with with Lon that he was in a relationship. When it sounds like to her, Carol Marcus, he wasn't in a relationship, right? Anyway, at that point, I guess you know there maybe other things happened. But uh, I'm going to let Keen have this one. But I may or may not have been screaming at my phone when I was listening to you two talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we knew you would be screaming at your at your phone, and I'm surprised your phone survived, you know, because I, I have friends who throw their phones out the window when things get them annoyed <laughs> when they're driving down the highway. So, Well, I was doing it from a place of love. <laughs> well, you know, what can, what can you say? You weren't on the show. Well, mind you, you used to be the, the offline fact check guy. Now, I guess Keen's now unofficially the fact check guy. There you go. There you go. Thanks, Keen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, and then to the headline. So this is a, a hefty story. I posted it to you guys in, in uh, Slack beforehand. Um, we were talking, this is kind of follow-up, as we would call it on, on the previous uh, Morning Just Code show, where we have a story that we talk about, and then we find more more stuff on it. And this was an article written around Apple TV+, and uh, the hot streak it seems to be on, and the question that they're raising in the headline here is, are people paying attention? And when they, so they start listing off all the amazing shows that are on, on uh, the platform, you know, like um, Shrinking, Simodalian, um, Ted Lasso, The Big Door Price, uh, Silo, Platonic, Hijack, you know, things that we've talked about. Foundation is another one, of course. And then things that nobody watches like Hello Tomorrow, which I watched, you know, uh, the last thing he told me, I also watched that one. Um, and then, of course, The Crowded Room, which I just talked about last week as well, right? And so a whole slew of shows. but. And when you look at the ratings of services like IMDb and uh, what's this other one, Real Good, which is this article is actually from uh, an article based on the writers of Real Good, um, and that's like real R E E L Good. Um, they people um, rate the Apple TV Plus higher than other shows, Max or or uh, even Netflix, right? And yet, when you get down to it and you scroll down this huge, long article, it's like a really long read, we get back to where we were saying last time that Apple TV is just not, um, doesn't seem to be on a lot of people's devices. It could be because of the whole, you know, walled garden Apple thing too, right? Um, but they're kind of in the second place behind uh, Prime, right? We were sort of wondering which service Apple could buy and, and leapfrog other services, right? whether Apple would buy Disney or Apple would buy, you know, I'm not going to buy Prime. But anyway, so I don't know if you guys had a chance to, to 
scan through these uh, numbers, but what do you think? Yeah, I think that there's a few things that sort of strike me. Um, and I know the article mentioned, I don't, I can't find the quote around Apple TV plus. So I think from the rating standpoint, Apple TV plus is the only one of these options here for Max, Hulu, Disney plus Netflix, Peacock, Paramount plus and prime video that doesn't have a strong, um, reality TV show, like, like regular reality TV show, thing of like oh here's you know food stars with gordon ramsay or here's survivor or something and those shows from what i read was you know those tend to be you know popular massively but tend to not be get rated very high because it's the the kind of you know trashy tv that i like to watch when i'm like unwinding at the end of the the day and i just want the real housewives of of seattle and stuff like that yeah yeah so it kind of makes sense that that um, Apple TV Plus would be generally highly rated. You know, Apple seems to be keeping a, a a quality bar that's pretty high. And when it comes to the the numbers, I wonder in terms of adoption, um, Apple TV Plus is really cheap. Like it is, uh, yeah, I might be the cheapest one yeah, here, especially since Hulu and Disney Plus moved up their tiers. Um, yeah, if you scroll down to the bottom, there's a dark, there's a um... There's a uh, like comparison, like, you know, Max's seems to be the most expensive, goes between 14, and this is American prices, 1499 mm-hmm. to 1599 Netflix is anywhere from $899 to $1549, and then Apple's way down at the bottom at 499 you know, so it's like a third or even less than the price, right? Yeah, and, and since it's so cheap, I wonder if the adoption is lower because people might be mistakenly thinking that they were have a requisite of like you have to have an apple device oh i don't have an apple tv like the device therefore i can't get apple tv might be a misconception oh i don't have a mac or an iphone therefore i can't get apple tv because i have some you know android device or something it's like well that's not true but that's more of a marketing problem for apple of like you got to let people know that apple tv plus is available in these other areas it's yeah, because not... it's available on Samsung TVs and, mm-hmm. and other smart TVs, right? Yeah, because, like, you know, for the price, and actually you write that chart way at the bottom of the pricing of, like, if you were looking to be like, mm, Lopez calculation, what am I going to boot out? You might boot out some of these other higher-tiered services and say, well, let me go see what's on Apple TV+. Plus. And so it feels like a, a marketing problem for Apple. It's certainly not a problem with them creating good series. Um in fact, it's kind of surprising when I look at the the sort of uh, collage of series that I can kind of recognize just from the actors that they chose. Some of these I hadn't really thought about. So it feels like, again, more of a marketing problem than than a creation problem. It seems like they've done really well in creating, maybe not as good on the marketing. Beyond well, yeah, like but, Ted Lasso yeah, that everybody knows. Yeah, and also, but it could also be the, I guess, I don't know why they can... How do they keep their prices so low, I guess, is a question. Because Disney's also the second lowest price, right? Below Paramount Plus. Because they're playing a different game, right? Disney wants you to go to the theme parks and buy merchandise, and Apple wants you to buy Apple products, even if their service is available outside of Apple's products. Yeah. Well, but on the other show, on More Than Just Code, we talked about Apple's services push. They seem to be getting more into the services game, right? So I think that, that in spite of the fact that I don't think it is a marketing employee. It would be nice if you bought Apple hardware, and that's ultimately what they want. But the thing is that they're 
make they're doing so well on services that I, I think that's becoming a third arm for Apple in terms of in terms of where they where the revenue comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a non Apple as a non Apple specific guy, Jonathan, what do you think about all this stuff? I would be really curious to know how much money they're losing on Apple T V plus. Because <laughs> I think that's well, the part that's not in this story is that like the production we talked about it on a few of the shows that we like we talked about silo we've talked about foundation we've talked about you know uh, uh from the earth was it earth to the moon what's the other one called or for all yeah, mankind yes. yeah um the and production so, and, value um, of these shows is really high apple is producing at a quality level that we're really only used to from hbo it's the only thing that's yeah. comparable although credit to amazon with their lord of the Rings series the quality of that was extremely high but really the 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 gold star for you know best actors best sets best writers best everything All the has Emmy been, nominations yeah well that's yeah. been hbo for years right but Apple is really like putting its best foot forward. They're hiring huge names. They're putting together these incredible productions. They must be just absolutely bleeding money on this service. Now, they can afford to. It's not a problem for them. And for them, you're right. It's about getting the, the subs. They want the subscriptions and they want the embeds of people being like, well, this would be a better experience if I have my Apple TV or if I have my, you know, my Mac or if I have my iPhone. But, you know, we talk about this from a perspective, you know, we we had that point that Netflix reached, right, where they, they got sort of to the, the most that they thought they could get of subs. And then we're like, OK, here we are. Now what? I, the thing that worked, works for Apple is they have that side project, just like Jaime mentioned, same with you know, Disney, Disney's got a side, you know, business that is extremely profitable. Netflix doesn't, but Apple, yeah, they've, they've got the money to burn. So for them, they're putting out, not just cranking out shows, but cranking out really, really high quality shows. The question is, you know, at what point are they like, Hey, we're not, you know, five, four, was it five bucks a month is not going to cover it. Mm-hmm. So here's here's like they just had their their numbers report and Apple's sitting at I would say around 25 billion is their income from services which includes things like Fitness Plus, Apple TV, um their cloud storage stuff. What else is on there, Jaime? Um photos? No. That all falls um, on the cloud, just, right? Yeah, they yeah, they throw a lot of stuff in there, iCloud, Apple One, Apple Music, um basically anything you would pay on a recurring basis. I think they just throw it in that bucket. Yeah, so they're, they're sitting around t look, looking at this, this, I mean, just eyeballing this chart that they've got here. I would say like 20, roughly 20, $20 billion there is their income on that alone. I mean, compare it. I mean, the iPhone is crazy sales, but, you know, um, it's better than the Mac. They're making more money on services than they are on a Mac. Yeah. Right. So. But again, that still doesn't speak to how much they're putting into the money. 25.9% of their income is from services. 48 point or almost half is from iPhone, you know, and then the other three services, Mac, iPad, and wearables are each like less than 10%. So, I mean, it's the second most profitable cent profitable center for Apple. So they're, I, whether they're bleeding money on this, I, I, I wonder if they are. Yeah. I mean, it is percentage. I would imagine that they're making a larger percentage of that income through services, through cloud, iCloud, and, uh, and music. I, I would say that those are probably the larger 
portions of that. But yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. It, it would be interesting to sort of break down all those numbers. I still think when you look at, like, I, I'm, I'm going to use my most recent watching experience uh, of Silo. You know, Silo, the production on that is extremely high. They must have spent a fortune building those sets and costumes and, 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 and. They hired, you know, a very hot actor. And I mean that in the, you know, uh, place in the marketplace, not physically, uh, in uh, Rebecca Ferguson to be the star. You know, she's, she's coming off Dune. She's coming off of doing, you know, other things. They hired, you know, a pretty stellar cast for that show that couldn't have been cheap. Like, all that adds up. Are they getting that back? Yeah, they got some buzz. Maybe they got some subs on that. I don't know. I I just wonder how much they're putting in versus how much they're getting out on those kinds of projects. And really, it is about the subs, right? So that's that's what their, their long game is, 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 well, you know, we don't care if it costs us, you know, uh, you know for the sake of argument, $250 million to put a TV show as long as we end up with X number of subs as a result and that they stay once they're done, right? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's interesting math. And and again, Apple can play a long game because they are just loaded. Same with Disney to an extent, although I think we talked about it a few episodes back that there's some rumors that Disney might want to divest itself of some of its other holdings. Now they were talking specifically about ESPN and stuff. But interesting still that like... You know, Apple, because they are such a wealthy company, can really just do their thing for a while and watch the competitors beat the crap out of each other and just continue to put out quality programming. And, you know, they might come out on top in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's move on to the Prodigy story. I mean, yeah, I don't know if you all can actually see this um, from Star Trek.com or if you have to put like CA or if it's weirdly. No, it's playing. Yeah, okay, perfect. So it's our first look at Season 2, Episode 1 of Star Trek Prodigy. Um, I guess spoilers here for a bit, but you know, at the end of the first season, you had the uh, Protostars crew uh, sort of joining Starfleet. They're not like a cadets proper. They're kind of doing like a, like a gap year sort of thing where they're going to be specially commissioned with uh, Admiral Janeway. And in this preview, you know, we get confirmation that the USS Voyager is a museum ship, um, probably over in the... Uh, museum that we saw in Star Trek Picard season three. Um, but we get the first glimpse of the Voyager a, um, which kind of looks like a mix between, uh, the USS Voyager original and like a sovereign class starship kind of has the similar design sort of feeling. Did you all take a look at this? Yeah. Just watching it now. Ooh, doctor, the doctor, holographic doctor, dude. Yes. Uh, you've got, uh, Ricardo. Robert Ricardo apparently uh, taking over the the voice role for his uh, his animated version of uh, the Doctor. So what is this? What's the story with Prodigy? I thought it was not coming back or something. Well, it was in that weird limbo of you know the 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 culling from Paramount Plus, where even though this show I think might be finished or close to it uh, in sort of in the can. Uh, for season two, it was unclear where it was going to actually premiere because right. Paramount was unwilling to put it on Paramount Plus and actually removed, like, sort of overnight, uh, the first season of Prodigy from Paramount Plus. So you can't watch all Star Trek through Paramount Plus. They, they broke the promise that was implicit in how they were collecting everything. Hmm. Yeah, it... Uh... 
it, it be uh, yeah again why release this that's just evil i don't know <laughs> it's really weird it's like where is it gonna be bro I, I don't see anything in the article here of like watch it on nickelodeon or subscribe to peacock yeah yeah i mean it basically says like hey you know you can watch it on blu-ray and dvd you can di do a digital download it says like the second half is coming cool but like not this so it's like hey good news we made this okay good night i'm like um dicks yeah mm -hmm. like all this is doing is making me mad at paramount yeah and again not our favorite show i think we're all in in agreement this is not uh not our favorite again not that it's not good it's just not you know aimed at us but yeah like you're going to finish it and just show us a little teaser and then we'll just walk away from it. That's, that's mean. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Um, who's next? Who's next? That's, uh, that's me, right? Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. So we, you know, we were just talking about pricing and the, the chart that you had, Tim is, is going to be soon out of date because <laughs> Disney plus and Hulu are about to get more expensive but I think I see what they're trying to do here. And there's a, there's a cheaper option if you stick with Disney plus and Hulu. So I'll talk through my, um, my decision-making that I'm going to have to make as of, what is it like September 6th? Yeah. It looks like September 6th is when these, so, uh, Disney plus will cost, uh, 1399 per month. Us, the no ads tier for Hulu will go to 1799 the ad sponsored tiers of both services, according to this article from The Verge, will uh, each remain at $7.99. They are introducing a combo plan. Uh, so they've you know had the, the bundle offering with Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. There's a chart here in this article that like it's a little mind blowing um, of how many different options you have to think about, especially if you include Hulu Plus with live TV. Realistically, for me, the combined, um, where is it in the chart? The combined duo premium, Disney Plus no ads, Hulu Plus no ads for $19.99 US is probably what I will switch to. So today, I've stayed on the uh, Disney Plus with no ads, which is what it started as. I went with Hulu with ads because I got some sort of cheap deal um I guess more than a year ago for um, Hulu with uh, like a Black Friday deal or something. Like I had pre-planned like, oh, the Orville is going to come out within the one year. So it will be cheaper to subscribe a dollar a month for 12 months than it is to subscribe for a couple of months at regular Hulu with an ads price. Except now in the Lopez calculation, I'm like, okay, Disney Plus, no ads, Hulu Plus, Hulu, no ads at $19.99 is going to be cheaper than even what I'm paying now um, and is cheaper than the individual subscription prices to Disney Plus or individual subscription to Hulu um, with ads or without ads. So it really feels like they're trying to raise the average um, average revenue per user, ARPU, right? If this was like a, a you're you're buying singular products on Amazon. This would be a let's get the shopping cart average price up, even though mm. it's slightly cheaper, quote unquote, cheaper than buying these individual products. Don't don't go to McDonald's and buy the cheeseburger separately from the fries, separately from, you know, 
the small soda, buy those together, it's quote unquote cheaper to bundle them even though maybe you didn't need a drink, right? For just a little bit more, get the combo. Um, I think that's what they're doing here. So I will almost certainly switch to the Duo Premium of Disney Plus No Ads, Hulu No Ads, which is a, a nice boost for me, but I'll be paying apparently $20 US for the, uh, the combination there. Hmm. I wonder if this, means, if this means Crave and Disney Plus are going to offer a bundle, Jonathan. What do you think? Um, well, C- Crave and Disney Plus are completely different here, right? So, I mean... No, but I, I mean... Oh, are they the same, like Hulu and, and is it Hulu? Which, sorry. Well, Hulu is basically what we're getting through the Star service here in Canada. So we're kind of getting oh, it no, all sorry, sorry. one sorry, clump, Hulu, right? So we're talking about, are we talking about, oh, it was Hulu and Disney are joining forces, Jaime, or Mac and... They, they have, for a while, Disney has owned uh, Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus, and has done various bundles. And to Jonathan's point, we're talking about an American perspective, but I don't... I don't foresee a future where they say, well, you know, we'll just be really nice to the Canadians and give them a discount. It's like, no, no, no. They're almost certainly going to do something to you all to um, to chip away at your uh, socialized sci-fi, as I like to, <laughs> to joke about. Yeah. No, I, I missed uh, miss the fact that it was Hulu, not um, HBO Max. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing Max changed your name to make it much more clear for me to follow. <laughs> it's a good thing they made it the most generic thing possible, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. Over to Jonathan. Yeah, uh, well, we'll go back into a little trek. This one was uh, an interesting story that came out this week. So, uh, Timothy Oliphant, uh, famously of you know Justified, which uh, is on again right now, uh, was doing a, an interview on a podcast last week, and he mentioned that uh, he was in the running to play Captain Kirk for the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. He said that uh, he was he had good auditions, he got along really well with J.J. and thought that. That, you know, uh, it was a distinct possibility. And then he found out that uh, they couldn't find anybody that was sort of, you know, a, a younger person to play because he is he's, he's 55 now. So, I mean, back then when those mm-hmm. first started, he would have been in his, you know, uh, I guess, 30s. And... He said, you know, he basically heard from JJ and sort of said, you know, yeah, no, you're a good fit. You're a good fit. You're a good fit. And then he's like, actually, I just found somebody and it turned out to be Chris Pine, who inevitably took the role. And there's a 13 year age gap between the two of them. So obviously that's more the age that uh, that JJ wanted for a young up and coming James T. Kirk for the for the movies he was doing. And, you know, it all worked out. But, yeah, interesting that, uh, you know, what could have been. With Timothy Oliphant, I could see him being a really good Captain Kirk. He would have made a good Chris Pike, too. Yeah, I could, I could see yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. And I just saw him in the... Uh, or no, it's not, not, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, so interesting. Interesting sliding doors moment there for, uh, for Star Trek fans. The yeah. next thing I have... Uh, so we lost uh, a, a character acting legend this week. Mark Margolis uh, passed away this week at the age of 83. Uh, you may not know him by name, but you know him by face. He, of course, was uh, Hector Salamanca on uh, Breaking Bad, uh, the, the fellow in the wheelchair with the bell. Uh, but for our Star Trek fans... He's best known as Dr. Apgar. Uh, the famous episode of uh, TNG where uh, Riker is accused of, of murdering a, a scientist to try and steal his wife. And they do the recreations of what 
each of them think happened and in one you know uh, version of events it's basically that uh, Apgar walks in on Riker trying to make the moves on his wife and then slaps him around and then the truth turns out to be that his wife tried to pick up Riker Riker said no Apgar got jealous and tried to kill him but ended up blowing up the station and killing himself uh, but uh yeah, again, an all-timer for the uh, TNG stuff. So I saw this this week, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to give dues to, uh, to yeah, Mark Margolis. Yeah, he goes way back. I mean, he even back to Scarface and oh, yeah. a few other classic movies. So. Yeah, and he was in all the, the um, Darren Aronofsky movies. And yeah, so he's, again, the character actor. He's been in so many things that you would have seen. You would not necessarily have known his name, but he's got one of those faces, too. Yeah, and he, yeah, he was, yeah, the, the dude in Breaking Bad, right, with the yep. bell? Yep. Yeah, big loss. He's been a lot, a lot of different things. He's, he's, he's that guy, you know? Well, he's, yeah, exactly. He's one of those that guys. Mm-hmm. I know that guy. What's he been in? Yeah. Everything. Okay. He was in Quantum Leap. That guy was in Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. The original one. Not the yep. one. And the last thing I've got for the headlines is that they have given a new date for the Emmy Awards. So, uh, Tim, I think you mentioned a couple episodes back that they canceled the Emmy Awards and postponed them indefinitely given the uh, the ongoing writers and actors strikes. But they've actually uh, scheduled a date. They're saying Monday, January 15th is the new date. Uh, that's Martin Luther King Jr. Day in the United States. It's... Um, it's unusual that they've they've actually scheduled a date. That to me seems extremely um, telling or optimistic. I can't decide which. Yeah, optimistic. I would say. Yeah. You know, I, I think obviously they do want to be able to you know plan and you know they need to try and sell ads and there's lots of reasons logistically why you do this, but at the same time it also kind of puts a bit of a timeline on because. While I would certainly hope that the writers and actors' strikes are resolved by then, and I fully expect they probably will be, um, I, I just, yeah, it's it's interesting that they are just actually coming out and saying, this is the date, we're doing it this day. So, it was supposed to be in September, so that that's a pretty big kick down the road, too. That's four months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, that sort of puts it into, well, I mean, I, that raises a question about the oscars as well right because that's around the corner from that time frame too right right well that's right they're usually in february and early march yeah well we'll find out in a couple weeks when we have the uh toronto film festival what's going to happen with that Mm -hmm. all righty then well it brings us to the finale is this the finale for this season or for us in the show as well as this i'm trying to figure that out well that's a that's a larger discussion because we do have uh we have a couple of good things coming up we don't have star trek again until lower deck starts in early september so right oh okay so it's september it's not that but we do have ahsoka premiering in a week and a half oh okay cool that's even better yeah um sorry did i say that out loud (laughs) um (laughs) wow Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's talk about Star Trek Strange New World, Season 2, Episode 10, Hegemony 
the finale, the big, the big, uh, big finale. So I'm going to ask you guys for elevator pitches. What do you got? Who wants to go first? I'll I'll go first. Gorn, but not forgotten. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a nice one there. For puns, I probably would have gone with like Gornacopia or something. Um, <laughs> but what I actually wrote, what I actually wrote really early in the episode, uh, was was more of a a three line quote. The line must be drawn here, this far, no farther, <laughs> and I will make them pay for what they've done. <laughs> That's good. Nice, nice, nice way to bring it back. Well done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I I just could not ignore the not subtle alien uh, references in this one. So I went with, in Star Trek space, someone will always hear you when you scream. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe that gives me a jump towards uh, one of my big questions was like, have folks seen Alien 3 and Predator 2? Because, you know, yeah. we'll probably get there and like, I absolutely knew what was happening with one character. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I have seen those movies. I understand, uh, you know, script writing and what they're doing. You know, they, they, they ruined an opportunity here. There's a scene... I, I read a lot of sci-fi stuff when I was in, in grade school, and there was a couple, there was one short story series, and I just loved the sci-fi stories there, but uh, there was a lot of them, like, you know, what happens if you if you get disconnected from your ship, and how do you get, how do you use physics to get back, and the, the answer was you throw your hammer at the ship, and the, the gesture of throwing the hammer and letting go makes you move towards the ship, right? But mm-hmm. um, the one the one thing was, how do you communicate when your radio isn't working, right? And you know the scene where where Chapel and Spock meet in space, essentially they're both wearing space suits, right? Um, I learned in this this short story, if you put your two helmets together, the vibration from the air inside your helmet it will transfer to the vibration in other parts. So you can actually talk to each other by tap by putting your helmets together, and they missed that opportunity with hmm. the two of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That would have been really cool, deep cut callback for me, anyway. So we've got our pitches, right? Pew pew pews. Yeah, a lot of pew pew in this one. I don't know how to tactfully say this, but the uh the the crashing of the saucer section of the Cayuga into the mm. uh, the tower was uh my best pew pew pew. Like there's yeah. there's other ones that I I see people could argue for that one I thought was pretty interesting, especially because the the crew was so close and nearby in the shuttle that they're like, oh, no, we, they don't know that we're standing right here. We better, we better take yeah, collateral cover. damage. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. yeah. I, this raises big questions. We'll come back to this that part. Yeah, I, I also have some thoughts on that one, but um, yeah, I had the the Spock and Chapel when they're taking on the the adult Gorn. So up until now, we've mm. seen younglings, right? We've seen uh, the the young Gorn in last season's uh, also aliens esque episode where the one where Hammer uh, sacrifices himself. We saw younglings in there. Here we see more younglings when they're on the planet. This is the first time I think they've shown us in this new iteration of Trek an adult Gorn in a spacesuit and scary them, and yeah. intimidating, like crazy with the tail and the whole, like, man, that puts the, the, the you know... Spock, or sorry, Kirk, Kirk versus Gorn fight to shame. This is, uh, these are some scary, scary creatures. Um, and, and again, you, up until now, we've only seen the younglings and the younglings feel more like the alien from aliens. They impregnate you, all that kind of stuff. The adults, this is the first time we've sort of seen like the warrior style of, of them. And they're not 
like the aliens from Aliens. They're more like the Predators. Like they look like these just big, scary, could rip your spine out kind of creatures. But but intelligent. I mean, there's one guy trying to ha- hack the the panel. He's when Christine mm-hmm. hears him, you know, trying to enter or enter a password into this mm-hmm. panel. Yeah, and we and we knew they were because obviously they have the technology and everything else. But we've never really seen that represented so far this is the first time we've met an adult and so that was i thought a really neat scene where you know again like it's not just acting on instinct like we've seen the younglings where it's just like kill rip tear maim this thing's actually like you know fighting with purpose and logic and i thought that was a pretty good fight that's i mean that's that's our confirmation biases because we know you know quadruped quadruped lizards on our planet and reptiles and stuff, they don't exhibit any kind of intelligence beyond you know find food and eat it kind of thing but the um here you because i i was wondering like okay they got these sophisticated spaceships and stuff like that and and you know and in 60s technology a guy in a rubber suit was the height of you know yeah. cgi right you know so that made sense like because i could i could not put myself between what we were seeing in the gorn up until this episode and the kirk versus the corn fight because like that gorn was intelligent you know or like a mm-hmm. semi even fakes and figures out how to talk to kirk right at one point yep yep but then again alien life is you know we don't know what alien life is really going to look like which is i guess the part that i've always had trouble with star trek is every every alien species you ever meet has you know two, a nose two eyes two ears and they're all bipeds you know, two arms yeah yeah yep so, although they, they did explain that in one episode right yeah it's best not to talk about that episode too much yeah, so I'm pew, 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 I'm all over the place on this one. I don't know. I don't have any specific one, but yeah. So we we can let's do the Easter eggs, and we'll come back to the big questions, right? So yeah, I think I'm. I'm not sure if we saw this Easter egg before. Or I mentioned it before, but the little the sort of spirally um, optical illusion thing on on uh, Spock's you know science desk mm. on on the yeah that mm-hmm. was that was something from that you've already seen in the original series, and I think he also has that little scope thingy that looks sort of. Yep. I didn't catch that in this episode, but yeah, that was something that um, Leonard Nimoy always worked with on the show, right? Yeah, it's, it's so funny. It, it is one of those things, like, obviously, it's a beautiful homage to the original series, but it does seem ridiculous. Whenever I see Ethan Peck lean over this little viewfinder thing, I think, yeah, that, that couldn't have been on a screen? Like, what's going on there? <laughs> you know, again, it's it's sort of that, like, retro-futuristic kind of deal. And again, it's beautiful homage to, to what's come before, but it also just seems, nowadays, it just seems very kind of odd and out of place but but yeah it's uh it is a neat little throwback for sure well and people are questioning the size of of um pike's um per cabin he's got all this extra space and he's got this kitchen on in his cabin and he's got like this sort of suite and then they show a picture of william shatner sitting in a little room with a, a little mock computer screen like what happened to that and somebody somebody said well you know in, in Pike's Enterprise. There's like two hundred, two hundred and five, you know, a complement of of personnel, and then Kirk's. There's four hundred. So they obviously had to like, you know, compress the space and make, you know, mm-hmm. make more more room for people to live. But it's it's funny to sort of like the retcon retcon stuff that doesn't fit between this Enterprise and the previous Enterprises that we've known, right? Yeah, it's it yeah. was interesting too. It struck me in this episode. Uh, so actually, it was the previous one. It was the one where Laan is singing and she's in her quarters. Yeah. Because yeah. I get that the captain's quarters would be a place where he might, especially because he likes to cook and he likes to entertain and they want to write that in. Cool, okay, it's bigger. 
but she's the head of security, which is not a small role on the ship, but hers is also a massive quarters. And I thought, okay, now I think we're stretching credulity a little bit. Like, does the, like, does, do all the bridge officers all have like the luxury suites? That's kind of a, a little absurd. I think it's the uh, the largesse of uh, of the past where everybody had, you know, to make a work analogy, everybody had a private office with a door and modern one is like, you got a hot desk. You don't even have a desk. <laughs> it's a hoteling station now. Yeah, I was going to say you have a closet somewhere that you I sit I feel in, like right? at some point we're going to start getting uh, millennials uh, adding us saying, oh, like, of course they could afford those suites and now we can't afford those suites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Well, the super duper Easter egg. We knew it was coming, but I, I, I'd forgotten about it actually. That this this next one you've got marked here, Jonathan, was going to be on the show. Yeah, Scotty. This season we got Scotty. Scotty, yeah. Good old Welshie from Futurama. <laughs> is that who that is? <laughs> Welshie? No, that's that's their joke. They did a they did they did a Scotty homage oh. as well. But right. um, yeah, no, it was uh, it was. Again, I, I had it completely had slipped my mind that they were going to do this too. So when he popped up, I thought, "Oh, that's good." And I'm glad that they're rolling these things out in sort of slow fashion. You know, we did we already got uh, the first taste of of Jim Kirk, and you know, he's a lieutenant who's about to become a commander, and you know, so we're we're getting to explore him a little bit. I like that they're slowly rolling these things out and bringing us to you know the TOS era. That it's not just like, oh, you know, every five minutes they meet someone else. So this one felt very organic and, and logical and it also does a nice job of introducing the character where they're like everybody else is dead how are you alive he's like i'm really good at what i do mm, yeah like what it's a great introduction to to pike and why pike would eventually want him to you know be on the ship right mm-hmm. true yeah and then well then it's also uh keen and i were talking on in the spoiler zone on our black channel about isn't it convenient that it's always just the engineers always seem to survive without the rest of the people? <laughs> like, you know, Jet Reno kind of was a sole survivor, and Scotty at one point put himself in the pattern pattern buffer right, to survive for 70 years or something, right? Yep. And his crewmate didn't survive because of the data corruption or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, that would be because they have skills that adapt, right? They're not going to be as good as security folks at the pew pew pews, but they can you know, jury rig some pew pew pews, right? Um, they're not going to be as good as the medical officers at uh, healing stuff, but they get some basic training on that in Starfleet and they can, you know, jury rig some medical stuff out of necessity. So it kind of feels realistic that the engineers, if not pressed to do, you know, surgery, if not pressed to do, um, you know, strategy tactics from a military standpoint could probably survive. Well, one of my favorite scenes from the, um, the original series is the Trouble with Tribbles, where the Klingons and the um, engineering team have a, a fight in the canteen. Like, they start the Klingons start insulting them, and yeah. Scotty gets upset. And then they're all standing there, you know, and Kirk's saying, okay, who started the fight? <laughs> and they're all, like, looking around, and nobody wants to step forward, and Scotty finally steps forward and says, I did, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Loose cannon, that guy. But in the best possible way. Yes. Yes, for sure. Did anyone else mark as an Easter egg? And I know this is like pushing the boundaries of Easter egg, but, you know, even when you've got a premier top of the line series, um, they've still got a budget, right? 
So there, there's a lot of stuff that they spend a lot of money on this season. They spent some good money, quality money in this episode. But my Easter egg hunt is a TOS style planet that happens to look like the Paramount backlot that exists already. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> budget saving maneuver. Oh, they just happen to be like Midwestern uh, USA folks. It's like, all right, I got you. You, you save budget so you can do the pew pew pews. Yeah, no Starbucks though, but yeah. And well, the other thing too for me, and it's kind of, I talked about this before, it's more tropes than it is anything else. And that's, it's always the Spock will go and do the emotionally challenging um, mission, solo mission, suicide mission. You know, he does it in one of the movies. I think the first, uh, the, the first Star Trek movie where he goes off and does a solo kind of thing. I think he did it with the, uh, my, the first show I remember watching, which was the, um, what I used to call the, the flying ice cream cone in space, <laughs> the planet, the doomsday device, the yeah. planet mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, cause he goes and communicates with it or something or plants a bomb in it or something like that. So he always gets the, the task of doing the thing that no one else can do because he's got, he's got his emotions under control. Right. Yeah. So that, that was in this episode, obviously. I did like, uh, uh, they did actually hire, I looked up the, um, the young person who played, um, Scotty in this episode, his name is Martin Quinn. He's actually Scottish. So we don't have a Canadian doing a Scottish accent for the next uh, X number of years. He's actually a Scotsman, which is uh, probably appropriate given where we're at. He could afford to hire an actual Scotsman. James Doohan was Canadian. The third. That's what it says on his IMDb. Martin Quinn, the third. Cool. Sort of related to what Tim mentioned, I put a, a vague Easter egg that... Uh, Spock's sort of spacewalk here is very reminiscent of a similar one in Star Trek Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. And you a know, little bit like the one in uh, in the original movie, too. That's what I said. Like, he's yeah. always got the sort of running off and solving the problem. Yeah. Doesn't he? he, he and he's also on a solo mission with the um, the new, the, the, what do you call it? The one with them. Um, yeah, the, in the Calvin. The J.J. Abrams yeah. one. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. There's lots of soloing stuff in that one. And he's also the solo guy involved in the, um, was it Reformation? What do they call it with the, between the... Oh, Reunification. Reunification, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got this. I'll do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. You guys need to come. Well, the big question for me, okay, like, the first thing I thought was when the saucer section is floating in space. We knew, we had seen spoilers for you if you haven't watched the show, but why are you listening? Um, Christine Chappell, in the beginning of the episode, beams back up to the, the... um, I forget the name of the ship, Cayuga? The Cayuga, yeah. Cayuga, okay. And uh, so she's on the ship, and th- no, we know this, but uh, nobody else knows this. And so they talk about solving the problem by using the, the saucer section and crashing it into the planet with under control. And so that's where Scott, Spock is going to land to, to place the explosives. So we know that somehow Christine is going to survive, or we think so, because she clearly is in the original series. But... Um, where what about the rest of the people that might have survived yeah yeah the fact that she's the only survivor (laughs) stretches credulity just a smidge and and then blowing up that yeah yeah and it i wrote it down in my notes it's the prequel problem rearing its ugly head is you can't give us these moments of oh my god is christine dead did she die on the ship like it doesn't hold like it didn't hold for a second for me like it was just like you know spock's angst and he doesn't know and again i guess you're supposed to empathize with him but like it just fell flat for me because i'm like well there's no there's no way that she's dead because we know she's not dead and beyond that there's no way that they don't find her and have a happy resolution because she's alive in the future so 
all of that is really tied to that persistent uh, problem with the prequels. Mm -hmm. I think there's like a lighter version of that. Like certainly for, you know, pretty in-depth Star Trek fans like ourselves, it's really challenging to be like, well, we know what's going to happen to the Benga. We know what's going to happen to, um, to Pike and Uhura and Chapel and Spock, like really hard. And I guess even, um, Una, like it's really hard to do strong, like oh, are they going to die here stuff? But I, I try to take a look at it from a, you know, lighter prequel problem for sort of the average person who just like, you know, is interested in in watching Star Trek and might be relatively new to it. So I would say they shouldn't do as much with Pike, given that they in show let us know that he's going to be, you know okay in terms of he will survive so that he can be in the the predestined accident right Mm -hmm. they shouldn't do a lot with him they shouldn't do a lot of the oh is he gonna die with spock and hura because like even the most casual person knows spock and there's a pretty good chance that they know nichelle nichols they know uhura right so i wouldn't do a lot with them maybe you can get away with it with uh with number one because not as many people casual fan casual tv watcher would know that person you could certainly do it with some of the newer characters uh you know that that's where i would advise them like don't don't lean too much and like oh is pike gonna die clearly not like you showed us in the show and in recaps that he will definitely survive so he can go sacrifice himself right like don't don't beat that drum too much use it with some of the other characters like oh what's gonna happen to pelia what's gonna happen to ortegas what's gonna happen to in certain other new character here yeah uh, laan like she doesn't show up on kirk's ship unless she's like demoted or something so you know play with those a little bit more yeah 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 Yeah, i checked on imdb just to see if erica ortegas survives beyond we don't have anything beyond uh her assignment to the ship right so there's no she's no there's no admiral tega in the future in any of the other series right yeah so maybe she's not not notable maybe she is uh being led towards like i'm putting on my my reddest of red shirts because i'm super excited to be on a uh away mission mission. yeah yeah well, because because um, yeah, Boimler calls her a war hero in the show, right? Which she is, or she is a war hero from the Klingon War. We knew that, right? But, oh, okay, right. But I, yeah, I wrote it down quickly in my notes. Like they had been foreshadowing this for a bit, because again, there was the whole she was supposed to go down to the planet on the one mission, and then she couldn't go. And then in this one, they started off with, well, you know, haven't you wanted to always wanted to go on an away mission? She was like, oh yeah, why did I want to do that? And so there's the whole yeah. build up of like her doing that, and then when she's flying down to the planet and she's like doing that sort of you know intense dive where she doesn't pulls up at the last second she says i did this all the time during the war and then pike says oh oh, erica you were born for this i'm like oh you're so gonna die like it just you don't say (laughs) you don't say lines like that right and so that's why i had in my questions like you know is Battelle going to die or live i thought i thought going into this episode that she was gonna die because they've just been foreshadowing that too in the end they might find a way to like prevent the gorn impregnation stuff so maybe she will live in the end i think yeah, that maybe that's... she's the new ripley right well yeah. i think that it makes sense for her to live now because they've gone to the you know bringing her off the planet and again they couldn't save hammer but maybe they can save her so maybe that makes more sense story storytelling wise but i still think ortegas dies in the next episode yeah by the way uh, that brings up a fact check i was calling her patel not Batel. 
Yeah, it's Battalia. Mar- yeah. Marie mm. Battelle. Um, yeah, I, I Will think... Will Ortega's die? Good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I I saw so much foreshadowing through the season, and I saw so much foreshadowing in here. And again, that also opens the door for them to, you know, um, add a Sulu character down the road. And, you know, so there's definitely some... I would say anybody we don't know the future of, you know, so Pelia, Una, uh, Ortegas, they're all mm-hmm. on the chopping block. They are. We know that. Like, right? No matter how much you attach to these characters, they could kill them throughout this whole run because we don't know about them in the future. Right. You'd like them to have a happy ending, but like the reality is, is that you create characters like that to kill them. So you can have the flexibility because you you are so hemmed in by the by the prequel problem you can't kill pike you can't kill ahura you can't kill scotty you can't kill kirk you know uh but lan is fair game uh pelia mm-hmm. is fair game you know we're there are characters that we've gotten attached to again we saw it with hammer in the first season you kind of thought oh he'll be the engineer for the you know for the sh- series and then all of a sudden he's gone you're like oh well okay so yeah i mean it's it's good because it adds actual stakes, but then it also makes you just constantly wary of like, oh, are they just going to kill this character off? Because they can. Right. The other question I had was the same one that you, Jaime, you mentioned, which is, what is the benefit of s- establishing a colony in a Midwestern style? Like, what to what end? Like, these are theoretically people who would have been living in a modern society they would have been living, you know, in either, you know, space vessel or, you know, uh, Luna or Earth or insert any other planet here. And they come to this place and they're like, hey, you know how you live in a world with like replicators and all this amazing technology? What if instead we put you in 1950s Kansas? And they'd be like, how about you don't? How about you build us like a nice modern city with a defense shield? How about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand, like, I'm beyond the, I think what they're trying to do is say, this was a thing, so that way that kind of retroactively explains why so many places look like that in the 1960s original series. But to me, it just, it's, it seems like there would be no logical value in doing that. It's not cheaper. It's not easier. It's just completely incongruous. It doesn't make sense to me at all. I I, I struggle with that one a lot. Well, I mean, that's interesting. The thing about the original series was they did, in fact, use other sets, like, and they had different storylines. They had a Nazi storyline. They had a, you know, Aboriginal storylines. They had, you know, they would use they would use sets that were already existing on the back lot. And like, because I always wondered, like, okay, how did that planet evolve to the same state as like 1950s United States Midwest? You know, like like in the original series when I was watching it as a kid, thinking. Okay, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there, but you know, because or like how like the, or one of my my favorite least favorite scenes is is when um, there's sort of a primitive you know warrior society and Kirk finds that they have this secret document that they they covet and they they you know it's sort of their 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 manifesto and he looks at it and realizes it's the, the American Declaration of Independence right and he starts reciting it because kids in school I assume Jaime can recite it right now right Jaime. But um, uh, I can recite it having watched Star Trek for all these years. But um, you know the that that was sort of in in watching the original series. You know you kind of you kind of give them a, the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, like why go to such an extent here? Like why have Cap or Captain Pike's quarters be so 
lush and luxurious, luxurious, and by the same token, build this planet and not put up some sort of protective beacon, right? especially since they're not cloned. To, I don't think they were that thought they were that close to Goran space, but you wouldn't you think they would think something like that? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think that's that's sort of the the infrastructure problem through all of the Star Trek versions that we've seen over the years like they always have these space stations that are seem to be unprotected and attackable you know throughout the whole the whole series right and when we know there's no way they would put them out there without some kind of security if they could even reagan was ready to build star wars or the star wars defense <laughs> system right yeah because he'd seen the movies and been in them we get into what they said yeah um i had a, i had a couple um i liked pike's line about the gorn at the beginning sometimes a monster is just a monster because they're trying to talk mm-hmm. about the uh you know but again i think that speaks to the he had he'd only really encountered the younglings not the people although you could apply it to both um i liked pelia's line when uh when uhura is trying to figure out like what to do and then she says don't sugarcoat it i love a crazy theory i thought that was really funny and a funny delivery as well um but my but the best quote i think was scotty uh when an armada of human eating lizards come my way i can get a little uh creative <laughs> yeah that actually raises a question too i hadn't really thought about that so you just started saying this but you know the younglings seem to be very primitive and very um instinctual right mm-hmm. like they're they're just about eating and crawling and you know attacking and whatever when do they become intelligent yeah yeah right? that's a good point do they go into they go to gorn what's it called um etiquette school that's right you know at some point in the future <laughs> gorn, play with food. miss manners go, schoon for girl, gorns you know yeah yeah. Le- yeah learn not to play with your food all that stuff yeah 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 <laughs> share with your friends <laughs> that's right I also like I like the you mentioned it earlier, but the, the scene where where Pike sort of says you've always wanted to go on a in a way mission. She says, "Yeah, why did I say that?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think there's a difference between I get to dress up and go play pretend versus uh, I'm getting you know targeted yeah. by these monsters. Yeah, I mean, also the fun she has, you know, uh, landing the the ship by you know letting it go to the last second and then kick in on the engines right yeah and again like those yeah. moments I, I i love those moments but those moments always say to me like that's a hero moment right they're showing like how amazing she is those ones always make mm-hmm. me nervous then they're like isn't she amazing look at her die I'm like oh no yeah yeah and again having pike deliver that line of you know you were born for this erica i'm like oh nobody says stuff like that you're gonna die Mm-hmm. mm-hmm but she's already wearing the red shirt, like Jaime said. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right there in front of us the whole time. Jaime, good, uh, good job. <laughs> yeah. So you got your prediction here. Patel dies. You already talked about that, right? Yeah, I think I. I, I so in the, in my notes, when going into the episode, was the first thing I wrote down because they had been foreshadowing. You know, last episode, at the end of the musical episode, she's like, I'm, "I've got this priority mission. I'm going on this mission, whatever." Um, They've been foreshadowing that something bad was going to happen to her, but I think that was a bit of a red herring so that we wouldn't see the Ortegas thing. But again, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But sure. what do you guys think about the uh, ending a season on a cliffhanger thing? Well, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I mean, you could look at the Locutus episode yeah. was one they did that, right? Um, they've done it with, um, they did it with Discovery as well, I think once or twice, right? Um they beam into the future and then they leave you there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, you know, 
I mean, we should have seen it coming, but to be continued dot, 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 right? Um, I, I've, I, I'm often, you know, it's funny, I'm often disappointed when I see that in a, in a story. But this time, I, this time around, I was like, uh, when it came up, I wasn't like, oh, that's a, that's a drag, because I, I realized that there was a lot of unfinished business in this episode, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, oh, no, sorry, Discovery Season 1, they, they had the big, you know, showdown, right, at the very mm. beginning, at the very end of the season. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought this one was actually done well. We haven't, we haven't been, dis- because of all the binging culture that we've got now with the series just going on and on and on and on, you know, or you can sit down and watch 10 episodes at once kind of thing. Um, we hadn't really sort of seen that to be continued too often because it used to, you know, we used to watch just TV, TV shows weekly, right? Um, and that was a way to, to sort of keep you engaged, looking forward to the next season, that kind of stuff, right? So this would be the kind of thing, like, and then you get things like Serenity where they would just cancel it after this, right? Yeah. You know, and never conclude, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which you, which you would say, oh, they'll never happen here, but then they cancel Prodigy already, so who knows? Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. What do you think I made of the conclusion? I thought it was pretty gutsy it's like okay so you're saying they're definitely going to have a season three which you know i think the in a normal non-prodigy era we would have said yeah but it's a it's a foregone conclusion um i don't know i don't know if it'll have the same sort of gravitas as the uh mr wharf fire ending uh cliffhanger ending that you all talked about um but it and then you know they couldn't have foreseen this necessarily but really bad timing with the writer's strike and actor's strike so hopefully hopefully we do get a conclusion uh, at least a third season to cap things off for for this story yeah so i want to ask you guys before we move to the watch list about the bad blood that i've been hearing you may have been hearing it as well on this show in general and that is um, well, this show in Lower Decks, like a lot of people are not watching Lower Decks because it's, ugh, it's animated, right? Um, so there's a lot of, you know, bad tweets and people online, you know, dissing the Lower Decks and not wanting to watch it, even though it's one of the better shows out there these days, right? Especially since, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, on the way to uh, dinner the, the other day, and, and he just started watching it after, you know, I, I sort of convinced him to, take, to give it a spin. Um, and you said it's like one of the best things out there because because Star Trek takes itself way too seriously. So yep. that's the first part of the question. The second part of the question is um, there's a lot of bad blood over this musical episode they just did. I mean, yeah. um, they played it well in, in that it was a space anomaly that caused them to all to break into song. Like, not that we don't all, I mean, I occasionally break into song for no reason whatsoever, right? But um <laughs> Yeah, or dance. I mean, people start dancing for... I mean, I was at a baseball game yesterday, and people were dancing in the stands, obviously to get on the Jumbotron, but, you know, when they first... When one guy stood up and started, you know, doing the moves, and he's, like, older than me, I'm like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> but, um, you know, but, like, so we, as a species, we we spontaneously jump, break into song, but, and, you know, I think the... I think we all agree, uh, even though we haven't all three of us been on the show together, that that was a fun episode, right? Whether whether we like the musical stylings or not, you know. Um, what do you think about the sort of negative perspective, and and not not atypical of sci-fi or or even nerd fans that to not like a a switch in genre, right? I think I think it's just haters gonna hate. I mean, there's there's been a push against. 
against new track sort of discovery forward track you know some people just aren't on board some people think it's too dark which i I completely understand their perspective especially watching discovery the first few seasons were pretty heavy um there wasn't as much of that sort of you know uh, adventure of the week some could be lighter some could be heavier kind of style that we've seen and enjoyed with with strange new worlds and even lower decks I, i get why people don't love it um I, I I've struggled with some of it. I've, I've certainly enjoyed a lot of it, probably most of it. But I, I guess I I respect the perspective. I think the musical episode thing. I I, I agree. Obviously, I wasn't part of your conversation last week. Um, although I did agree with most of your points. I think that. It was extremely well done. I think, you know, the level of difficulty in doing something like that is extremely ambitious. I thought the performances were really strong. I thought that in the context of the episode, especially, like, they they did kind of pay homage to um, the Buffy episode that was a musical episode 20 years ago. Uh, They even Mm -hmm. have a a bunnies joke in in, um, Subspace Rhapsody that, that references the Buffy episode, which there's a character who's afraid of bunnies. Anyways, um... It definitely, the way that they were using it as a storytelling method, because they only broke into song when their emotions were running high, and there was a lot of character arcs that were tied to emotion that were coming to a head in that episode. There was the Lawn and Kirk thing. There was the Chapel and Spock thing. There was, you know, all these moments, even even the funny one where, you know, uh, Pike breaks into song on the bridge because he and Marie are fighting, and then they have to turn it off. Um I thought it was a good way to have some of those emotional arcs come to a head because they couldn't control themselves. So they had to air the the, the dirty laundry. I thought that as a storytelling method, that was an effective way to do it. I get why it's not a cup of tea. I know Tim used it on your, on last week's episode that you, you struggled with it at times that even though it was well done, you, you struggled a little bit just because, you know, uh, I mean, they were, they were e-worms. Once I got used to the songs, I, I struggled with that style of musical in general, but yeah, these particular ones, song, songs were written really well and yeah. it kind of softened that blow as it were. Yeah. So, I mean, I get that it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I just, I, I can't say I understand this, uh, sort of. I don't like it, so I'm going to scorch the earth so no one else can like it kind of mentality that is unfortunately pervasive on, on social media. It's pervasive on, uh, you know, these sort of comment threads and blogs and stuff like that. Reddit, obviously. There's a term for it. It's it's rate bombing or something like that. The, because yeah. I heard some pe- people are trying to go against the Barbie movie same way yeah and they've done it to a number of things that they just feel like you know i hated it so therefore i'm gonna just basically uh they call it review bombing i think um they basically just take take the time to go on and write and rate as negatively as they can and tell all their friends and create separate accounts do the whole thing to get the review Mm -hmm. ratings down low so that no one could watch it because therefore because they hated it so much i don't understand what prompts someone to do those kinds of things because i mean art is subjective and just because you don't get it and or like it doesn't mean that somebody won't uh, you know again i will rewatch that musical episode again and not today but like i think it was certainly enjoyable i'm sure there's more nuance to pick up watching it a second time or a third time i, I don't understand why you need to be actively negative I get that mm-hmm. you want to have your opinion. Hell, we have a podcast where we talk about stuff that we do and don't like. I get it. But at the same time, like to be maliciously uh, critical 
Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, again, we've we've talked about things we do and don't like. I don't like Tom Cruise movies. Everybody else does. I get it. Like I'm in the minority, and I can say I don't like it. But I'm also coming from a place of you know uh, a lack of you know objective knowledge. Maybe these are the greatest things since sliced bread. The, the you fact... can't handle the truth. Well, exactly. And I oh, and I wanted to say I did actually sit down and I rewatched uh, um, a few Good Men recently because I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about it, and I was like, oh, that was a good movie. I'm going to watch that again. And I watched it again. And he does have a few lunatic moments in it, but he's pretty good in that. Um, but I did. Was, I just saw I just saw Kevin Pollack uh, interview uh, where he's talking about this unique story. But like he was. And he was the new kid on the block. Um, he thought he was in the wrong place because he was compared to all the superstars. And he tells this really funny story about Jack Nicholson. I'll tell you in, in the after show. But yeah, but yeah, it's uh, I, I just I don't I don't understand what compels people to be as actively and toxically negative as they can be. Um, Jaime, what do you think? Yeah, like. I... I don't understand the dismissal of uh, new Trek and new Trek as uh, folks on the interwebs describe. Like, mm-hmm. like I can kind of get the discovery angle because it's, it's so far in one direction. And I think the first two seasons of Picard, I could understand that perspective, but strange new worlds is, I think the best counter example of like, this is uh, a blend of, mm-hmm. of the new serialized dramatic version and the old school, um, not very much serialized in general, one-off episodes that, you know, gets tied together probably the most neatly in uh, Deep Space Nine, especially the latter seasons. Yep. I feel like Strange New Worlds fits that model of like, there are some serious character arcs that happen here, but you can more or less sort of jump into each episode for the most part and be okay, especially with the little recap that the Paramount Plus will give you. And uh, I think you're right that Lower Decks and Prodigy uh, both get overlooked as like, well, it's animated, it's for kids. It's like, well, we should be well past that notion, right? The Japanese animation has been in the cultural mainstream for so long, proving that animation is just an art style. It's not uh, necessarily a genre. It's not a kids-only genre. Um, and I don't know. I, I feel like people are missing things uh, let me just go into a light recap of this season, right? So you're missing the the drama of Laon and Kirk, um, largely a one-sided drama, but one that has several episodes. Uh, Mabenga and Chapel and their uh, uh, their green juice experience, which was one of my big questions we didn't get to. Of like, did did Mabenga bring the green juice? Because this is a good time to do that if you're fighting yeah. <laughs> lizard monsters, right? You have uh, Chapel and and Spock's relationship. You have um, the, um, you know, what's going to go on with um, with Pike because he's got a, a, a dwindling clock. Like, what's going to happen? Is is he going to tell Battelle? Is Battelle going to die? You know, the, these sorts of things that they they loop in kind of nicely. Like, again, I think you could legitimately pick almost any episode. Maybe you know cliffhanger season finale is not the best episode out of the 10 to, to do this but i think you could pick a whole bunch of random episodes and say like here you go casual fan or mainstream viewer just watch this one enjoy it it's probably largely fairly self-contained not perfectly you won't get all the little details but it won't be like oh man i'm like on episode seven of discovery i have no clue what's going on because i haven't seen the prior six i think 
this one fits really well. And I think a lot of the other shows like Lower Decks um, and, and to a lesser degree Prodigy fit the model of it can't be fully episodic. Like they just clearly don't have the budget to do 20 some odd episodes. And, and here's the one where data explores what it's like to, to own a cat. Like they can't do that, but they don't have to do the hardcore, you know, it's a 10 episode long movie, like discoveries seasons. So I feel like it's a good blend. Like, I think if people have, you know, got their minds stuck in 2017 when disco started on CBS all access and kicked off this whole new era. Like you're, you're, you're totally missing the mark. You might've been right then. And, and I could see a good argument, but you're definitely wrong now. And also just cause you don't like it doesn't mean the rest of us don't like it. So maybe don't be a jerk about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, yeah, that's true. So I had the thought as I was, evaluating this because um i did miss recapping episodes eight and nine with you guys mm. i wanted to think about this because i i really enjoyed watching those episodes and i enjoyed this one too and i found myself looking through uh jaime i love that you just did the recap for me which is great i looked at this season and was looking at it from you know one to ten this is one ten episode season so obviously it's a shorter season than we would typically have gotten from old older trek but I'm going to take the bold state stance on this one that from top to bottom, this was one of the all-time great seasons of Star Trek, any Star Trek, mm -hmm. one through 10, yeah. from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, quality of episode to quality of episode. I think season two of Strange New Worlds is one of the all-time best Star Trek seasons. I think, I think that could be true. The, the, the the devil's advocate that I'll take is I have to think about how I feel about the first season of Strange New Worlds, which I also felt was really yep. solid. So, yep. But um, the question I guess I come to is, um, and something for maybe us to do for our next episode, uh, is what are the all-time great, there's been so much Trek over the past 50 plus years, if you were going through, you know, from TOS straight through to this season that just ended, and you were looking at quality of a season, what are the all-timers? Now, I, I'm not going to do it off the top of my head because I think it takes a little bit of research. But I think that's a really interesting discussion to think about, like, really where, what were the, like, top to bottom standouts? The ones where you were like, damn, the quality of this entire season was super high. This show or? All shows. Star all, all Star Trek. Mm, that That's an interesting challenge because... We might have to have a distinction between, you know, when you average it all out uh, season versus, wow, this season largely sucks, but the mountaintops are so high that it drags this, the, the, the average up, but not enough to, uh, to counteract, which, you know, I think Strange New World season one or season two, like the average is really high to begin with sort of thing. Like it's a little bit different of like a uh, mean median mode sort yep. of analysis of these. Yep. I can think three right off the top in the original series. The, the one where Kirk and Spock go down the planet and McCoy injects them with dilithium crystals and they use a light bulb to make a phaser. <laughs> so that, that's where TOS is a, is a struggle of for this. Like I would posit that season wise TOS 
off the top of my head, probably does not have very good seasons. No, seasons. No. It has great individual episodes, and there's a reason that decades after the fact, we still love this series, mm-hmm. right? So that's where I think, like, there's some mountaintops that are real, real high, and then there's some absolute stinkers. Yeah. So that's where I feel like analyzing it from, like, a couple different perspectives, you know? Because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's real hit and miss with uh, TOS, but obviously those those uh those classic episodes are classics for a reason yeah yeah and then i think we can agree that seasons one and two of uh tng are disqualified because they were pretty not <laughs> great but then when you start getting anything into with, the, anything with q though wasn't q in the wasn't q in q was in one and two, two but i really feel yeah. like tng didn't really hit its stride till season three when we started getting more wharf more picard more data uh we really started sort of you know getting into the characters they really kind of found their group they changed their uniforms too right they got got the high collars that's right yeah Yeah. no there's there's again i think there's a real interesting discussion to be had here about like where you know where the all-timers are on on the star trek list but like i said when i when i stepped back from this one i thought geez off the top of my head i'm having a tough time thinking of a top to bottom Star Trek season that was as, as solid as this one. I mean, we got really strong character arcs for a bunch of different characters, some truly excellent performances from a, a whole, like almost everybody on the main cast got a really good meaty arc to have, you know, whether it's, you know, it's Pike, whether it's, uh, whether it's Spock, whether it's Chapel, you know, uh, Benga, you know, Uhura got a nice run. Like really it's only the sort of adjunct characters like Pelia that didn't really get a lot, but like all of the main cast got like some really nice episodes to focus on them. And then from there, you know, you go through the sort of quality of the storytelling, the visuals, everything. You're like, damn, this was really tight. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's table that because I, I really do think that there there would be a really good, if we could put some research into it, that'd be a really good uh, sort of, you know, which Trek season is the best Trek season of all the Trek seasons because there's certainly no shortage of episodes to go through. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, we'll move to watch this. And Jaime, you're up first then. Yeah, my first one is Strange Planet, which started this uh, this past week with a three-episode drop, and then they're going to go uh, week to week. And I'm going to assume they're going to have like eight to ten episodes. I didn't actually look up how many there. Did you watch any of them? I did. So we watched uh, the first three. I think it's a nice, pleasant episode. I do not recommend binging, though, because it's very, it's very sort of laid back. It's not... It's not the kind of show that I think benefits from from watching uh, what about an hour because they're about twenty minutes each um, hmm. straight. I think it benefits from being kind of like um, the Strange Planet comic strip series that's on uh, Instagram. Like it benefits from quick bites. And I think it's better that way. So if you're going to watch these three episodes, I would recommend you watch them like on different days and then just go to the weekly. I think I'll feel much better about it on the weekly than I did. Um, like, I don't know. It was kind of like eating cotton candy. I was like, wow, super good. First episode. And my second episode, I'm like, okay. And then third, I'm like, maybe that's a little much at once. You know, maybe yeah. I should have my, my uh, spread this out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause it's, um, uh, it's, Actually, when the people started saying, "Oh, Rick and Morty," I'm like, "What? This is nothing like Rick." And- oh, because Dan Harmon's involved yeah. in the in the creation of this adaptation. So, okay, it's not Rick and Morty. Just to be really clear, um, it's it's a adapted version of the uh, 
of the of the show of the uh, sorry the comic series, and it's um, episodic, but there is a little bit of a serialized, a very light serialized arc going through. So I didn't expect that. So worth a shot if you like the series. If you don't like the comic series, I don't think this is going to be for you. Cool. My next two. Uh, most watches are based on, um, you know, this season of Strange New Worlds. And I have a little bit of headcanon here. So there's um, the CBS channel on YouTube has uh, Kirk versus the Gorn and Defeat of the Gorn. And in my headcanon, because people are going to say, well, wait a minute, it doesn't look like the uh, Halo-esque you know, awesome predator looking thing. I'm like, well, notice that this gentleman or gentle lady, I don't know how the Gordon uh, sit. Uh, they don't have a tail. So in my head canon, I think Kirk fought a later stage <laughs> maturation. Like this might be like, you know, a retiree <laughs> Gordon mm, that he's able to physically fight an axe chop and, uh, and shoot with a, a handmade uh, cannon. So that's my sort of retroactive. Like, I think this is what the Gorn ultimately become. So he beat up on a Gorn senior citizen is what you're saying? I, that's that's what I think because in <laughs> this show, like Spock cannot defeat a Gorn by himself, right? They had to p- get some pew pew pews and a and a lucky sort of uh, head stab of the not even the creature itself, the 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 face uh, yeah, the helmet, shield yeah. and glass, right? Yeah. So for for Kirk to uh, to be able to do this realistically, I think because this is a later stage Gorn. Not necessarily retiree. That's my, my <laughs> funny joke. But clearly, this one doesn't have a cannon. Uh, sorry, not a cannon. A, a tail, and clearly is um, still pretty strong. Like it lifts up a boulder and, and hurls it at Kirk that Kirk himself could not do, uh, but not as uh, overwhelming Schwarzenegger as badass like uh, like the Gorn we've seen in Stranger Worlds yeah. so far. <laughs> Yeah, I just love I the idea that like the next scene is like, I can't believe that guy killed Grandpa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he killed my Grandpa. Yeah. Again, another one where like you know he uses the the he uses science to to build a cannon, right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, I've got uh, Good Omens season two. Uh, this one snuck up on me. I I knew it was coming, mm. and it just kind of I finally sat down in front of a television for the first time last night and was like, oh, that's out. Oh, it's out. And so that's going to be on my uh, my watch for the next week. I'm going to watch uh, Good Omens. Uh, I, I enjoyed season one. It was funny. The chemistry between um, uh, the two lead characters um, was uh, Michael Sheen and, and David Tennant was great. Um, it was very Neil Gaiman and, and Terry Pratchett. It was very sort of silly and funny and witty. And uh, I enjoyed that one uh, a fair bit. I'm looking forward to this one, particularly because uh, there was no sequel. There was no second part or second act to Good Omens. Good Omens was a book that was adapted into the show. Uh, and of course, Terry has since passed away, which is, is, is a heartbreaking thing in its own right. Um, so Neil basically sort of, they had done notes on what they might do if they did a second book. And he sort of took those and expanded on them. And, and uh, you know, I saw a little behind the scenes thing earlier this week where they said, you know, 
like Terry would have loved this it's very much in his you know sense of humor and style and stuff like that but um yeah I've always been curious to sort of where the story of those two characters goes after they save the world and, and or before or before or before so yeah it's uh I'm, I'm keen to get into this uh, I like that series so uh yeah I'll definitely be checking that one out Tim I know you're a fan as well yeah I've watched a couple of episodes already so I know there's a bit of bit of timey-wimey in there yeah but it's interesting too. The during the pandemic, the two of them did an online um, sort of play. There's a couple of interesting uh, videos of them talking to each other on on Zoom. But they actually did. I think they did a Shakespeare or something like that. The two of them, like a two man acting play thing, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a, their chemistry their is, is excellent. Like it just really like they the way that they transform into their characters and the the interplay that they have is just it's excellent. It's really excellent. Yeah. Um, cool. Ahsoka, I put on the list, uh, that will be premiering on the 23rd. So about a week and a half from now, um, I, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll talk about it in our after show, but I am hoping that we'll, we'll do that one together. Cause oh, I we'll think be back for that one. That, we'll be back for that one, folks. There Stay you tuned. go. So we solved it right there, <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, they showed the dirt, dropped the final trailer. So I put that into our watch list show notes here. Um, the final trailer came out this week that they're going to do and, uh, has a you know, little bit more stuff in it. So I don't really think they need to do any more selling. I think, uh, if you're in, you're in, um, uh, but that one just looks, it looks amazing. I'm just, I, I'm so psyched for it is the the one of the things i was most excited for i think i picked it as my uh top thing that i was interested in seeing this year when we did our uh, spocky awards back in january so i cannot wait to see uh the rebels crew and ahsoka and just all the all the excellent stuff that'll come out of this and, and knowing that dave filoni like he wrote and directed every single episode of this series like this is this is his baby like People were saying that oh they didn't really love the the latest season of the Mandalorian and I think a lot of the criticism is the fact that he he walked away from Mandalorian he left it in other people's hands so he could work on all his energy on this one so you'd hope that that would translate into something that shows his deep love for this character and and for the show so I'm just I'm so hyped for it and the last thing that I chucked in there was uh, Archer. They dropped the trailer for the final season of Archer that's starting on August 30th. Um, Archer is one of my all-time faves. We've talked about it on the show. Um, bittersweet to see the show come to an end after all this time, but at the same time, uh, all good things, as they say, must. So, yeah. I thought we already had the final season of Archer, but I guess not, eh? They, they have talked of... about each season sort of being the final season for the last few. Oh, okay. They've sort of been like, well, maybe this will be the well, last one. This is like one. the Who's... Uh... Who's finale, last world tour kind of thing, right? Yeah, no, and and they talked about it, and obviously they've, you know, they've had a couple of, of, uh, of the voice actors have passed away and stuff, so there was a lot of, like, well, maybe this will be the last one, maybe this will be the last one, this one they're actually billing as the last season, so I, I think it's, everyone's sort of come to it as being, this is it, so. Cool, all right. My picks are a couple, um, one is the... Uh, Futurama season 11, I think it is, mm-hmm. right? The last season. I, I think I have to go back and catch up. I'm probably about... I think I, I was going to ask you, do you remember which DVDs collections you had? Because that's as far as I got with Futurama. Like six or seven, maybe? Season six or seven? Um, No, I, I have them all up until... I think the entire run but then they also they went back because i have the ones that were like put out as movies initially but then they've mm. gone retroactively chopped them up and turned them into a season for disney plus and stuff like that so yeah it's um, yeah, I, I have no idea how far i got into that season but i'm started watching the i think i watched two or three episodes around they come out every monday so. yeah cool all right 
And then um, I, following up on what your pick was from two weeks ago, Dungeons and Dragons, I believe. Yeah, I did get to talk um, about it, but I, I did watch it. <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk about it now because because I, what I, what was curious for me is I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Chris Pine and and uh, all the various characters in it. But and and it's a fun story, even if you know nothing about Dungeons and Dragons, which is my case. Um, it's a bit like Shrek. It's a bit like a lot of other other sort of you know. Um, you know, all the Three Musketeers and all those kind of, you know, castle sort of running around knights with, you know, um, stories and magicians and so on and so forth. So, but I was, again, the gentleman I was talking to about the walk to lunch is a Dungeons and Dragons player. So I wanted to know from his perspective, what did he think about the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uh, he said it was really good, like from that perspective and that he, you know, he understood that, you know, it was him, it was recognizable that. The Chris Pat character was a bard. He's like the entertainer guy and, has, you know, has the musical stuff and the musical abilities. And, and then you've got, you know, the warrior is, is um, what's her name now? Um, Michelle Rodriguez, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then you've got the, the magician. And I think in, they kind of played with, I kind of got the sense that, you know, as you play the game, you, your character gets stronger depending on how often you play and, you know, you, you, you develop your characters over time. And of course the magician, young magician in the thing is, is hapless at first, and he develop, he starts to develop skills as as he gets through the movie. So, so I, I thought it was a fun movie. I think I'd recommend it to anybody who wants to you know sort of get lost in a story for a bit, and and it was fun. So, what did you think about it, Jonathan? You didn't get a chance to talk. About yeah, it, same so. same thing. I I may had watched it first and then talked about it oh, um, right. a number of episodes back, and uh, it was always sort of on my list. It finally popped up on Netflix, so I thought oh, I'll give it a spin. And yeah, I think uh, I very much agree with Jaime had said. Is you know go in with you know sort of open mind and it's just it's fun it's you know uh chris pine is an inarguably charming um i i didn't love the michelle rodriguez character i thought she was a little flat but then i think that was kind of the joke is that she's supposed to be the sort of you know uh the warrior you know woman of few words kind of thing but um but I thought, you know, the little ensemble they came up with was was fun. Um, I loved the Easter egg that they put in it for for old old nerds like me um, when they're doing the part where they're in the contest in the in the. Um the the arena and there have all the different groups that are trying to survive and they had the gelatinous cube and everything like that um the gelatinous cube is a great uh um dungeons and dragons um note to put in there but the other part is that one of the other groups that's in there looks exactly like the dungeons and dragons cast from the 1980s cartoon series um the way they're dressed, like the the ones who end up in the you know the cage next to them and stuff, that those are exactly to the costume how the characters look from that show. I was like, that's a brilliant little hat tip. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was it was fun to be somewhere that wasn't just building on established IP. I think that's the 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 truth of you know what we're seeing right now with you know Barbenheimer in the theaters and so many other things. You know, Asteroid City that I I just watched and a, and a bunch of stuff. You know, I like. The Marvel movies and I like the the Star Wars and I like the the tentpole stuff and I think it's great and I think it's absolutely has its place in the marketplace but tell me something different show me something else uh you know don't be afraid to to go somewhere else and I get that sometimes they get pants by that they, they take a risk and then nobody goes and they get you know lambasted for it but I thought that this was something fresh and I was happy to see it 
All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram or X and Instagram at uh, at JPK News. Or you can find me on YouTube at YouTube.com slash at JPK. Cool. All right. Uh, how many people get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, and I'm on the Twitter machine, which I'm still calling Twitter. <laughs> uh, I'm on Mastodon. I'm on Threads, Blue Sky. Yeah, all those places. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. showings of Asteroid City. It's available for streaming mm. now. You can watch it on streaming. Oh, okay. Is it? Yep. Like you, if you pay the money sort of thing? Yeah, it's on um, it's on iTunes Store and stuff like that. It's like, I don't know, five bucks or whatever to rent. Wait, so we, we do, yeah, we go to movies. Right? Oh, yeah, so it's weird. It's not, not playing anywhere. Hmm. Is it? Is it like more enjoyable in the theater? I mean, I enjoyed seeing it in the theater, but I, I mean, I like, I like his filmmaking style and I like seeing the tapestry yeah. big. However, I will say the comment that both my wife and I had coming out of it was like so many movies by Wes Anderson, you come out immediately saying, I got to watch that again. So I think being able yeah. to sort of sit down and watch it and then maybe watch it a second time or a third time would benefit just mm. because the dialogue is always so crisp and moves. And because he paints on such a beautiful tapestry, he, he makes these beautiful scenes and stuff. It would actually be kind of nice to have been able to pause and be like, oh, my God, look at that. Look at the detail here. Look at that. This is really cool. There was a number of times where I was like, it just it's all moving by too fast. Wait, it says you can rent it on Apple TV for twenty four ninety nine. Uh, yeah, because they usually do that when it's brand, like when it's still in the theaters, they do that as like the, you know, whatever they call it, the, uh, home premiere or whatever, but I'm sure in the next week or so it'd be like six bucks to rent, which is what their normal rental rate is. So this is, so these are like, um, so it's it's a rental, it's a home stream movie right now, but it's not in that, you can't, you're not buying it, right? Uh, let's see. You can buy it for 30 point. bucks or you can rent it for 25. Um, but then I imagine in the next very short amount of time, it'll go down to the usual rental price, which I think is six bucks Canadian. And then uh, you wait for it to go on sale if you want to own a copy. I find uh, Anderson movies frustrating because they they go from theater to streaming to uh, a regular 
physical release to two years later going to a Criterion release. And every one of his yeah, movies has gotten yeah. a Criterion release. But you're sort of in that limbo state of like, do I do I get the regular one? Because it's going to be years before mm. they get the Criterion one. Or do I just wait for mm-hmm. the best quality one when Criterion comes out? I uh, I have Criterion, the Criterion ones of most of them, but I don't have them for all of them. Because A, they're expensive and B, right. they're, uh, yeah, like they just sometimes you lose track. You're like, it's been years. I haven't, I haven't, still haven't gone and purchased the Criterion version of, like I don't have the Criterion of French Dispatch or some of the other um, more recent ones. Yeah, I think I I have Tan, um, Royal Tannenbaum. I don't have the Criteria. I have the original box of that one. Yeah, I have a few of his movies, and, and I'm pretty sure I I think you've given me some of the Criterion ones as as presents. But yeah, yeah. Oh well. Yes, indeed. To be me. So what else is going on? How about those Blue Jays I watched them lose yesterday? Yeah, they are still being very inconsistent. Yeah, it's funny, like, you know, we're sitting there with a couple of, you know, I was sitting between two really seasoned baseball fans, and we're looking at all the sort of weird numbers on the board, OBS and OPS, and all that, kind of trying to figure out what those are, mm-hmm. and and they were telling me all about baseball and things like that, and, and uh, they are like, you know, so do you think that the Blue Jays are going to win? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, like I'm we, a lifelong Leafs fan. I'm trained to wait for losses. Well, I got to tell them about, you know, the, the Hamilton would like to get a, a, a baseball team as well, but, you know, that would never happen because if they got one, Toronto would want a professional baseball team too. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. a, that's a better joke for hockey teams though because, uh, yeah. But, you know, it's 1993. It's been 30 years since they won the pennant. Uh, since they won the World Series, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. they've, they've come sure close a couple nice times. Having a championship, but... though. Yeah, well, that's Sorry? the thing. It's all, sure. it's all perspective. <laughs> Mariners uh, have not uh, won one. Um, and I you know, came to learn of the, the dominance of the Blue Jays in that era um, because of Ken Griffey Jr.'s Major League Baseball on the Super Nintendo, where mm-hmm. uh, if you didn't play as the Mariners to enjoy you know, Griffey as the one actual real player, because his name was on the title, uh, that's where I ended up liking the Mariners, you would probably play as the Blue Jays, who were an absolute monster with their uh, oh. you know, fake names for everybody, because everybody else but Griffey was a fake name. Yeah. Oh, well. Hmm. Yeah, I remember playing... Uh, I had the, the Sega Genesis, and I remember playing... Uh, first, the first one they came out with, the first baseball game they came out with was called Sports Talk Baseball, and it was one of the first baseball games that actually had a commentator. Because up until then, the, the technology wasn't good enough that they could actually do somebody speaking. All you could do was little sound effects and and music and stuff like that for some of the you know first generation eight bit systems. Sixteen bit, you actually got to hear somebody go like, "Here comes Alomar to the plate," and it was pretty cheesy, but that that. Blue Jays team was the same team that went on to uh, it was the 91 team that made it to the playoffs and was really competitive but lost ultimately um, and then the second one that came out that came out the second version was called World Series Baseball and World Series Baseball had the the World Series winning Blue Jays lineup in it and my god like the first team, of course, it's got like, you know, it's got Devon White, Roberto Alomar, Joe Carter, Dave Winfield, uh, you know, all these players. And you're just like, man, this is a very good team. And then the second team, they added like Ricky Henderson uh, and, you know, a couple other players to the lineup. And you're like, I, I could win every game. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, that whole team was so stacked. You know, that, that 93 team that won the World Series, I think five or six guys from that team are in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, Tim. It's, it's a long way down from there. 
as we sit and record this because uh, I don't think the game has actually started. So the Blue Jays are in the third wildcard spot for the American League, and the Mariners are a half game behind them with the, the Jays losing yesterday. Uh, the Mariners uh, getting really close and, and scrambling. So I would propose that actually what we should be looking at collectively is for the Astros to lose because <laughs> this helps both the Blue Jays and the Mariners. So we have a, a combined enemy here on this very podcast. So don't think of it as, as Blue Jays versus Mariners for that last one. Uh, think of it as both of us combining to uh, move the Astros out of the wild card. Yep. No, I think it's going to be an interesting fall. I mean, it does not help that the Blue Jays, what was supposed to be their best pitcher, is now back in the minor leagues. Uh, Alec Manoa has been demoted again. This guy was supposed to be their like stud pitcher, and he uh, just hasn't been good at all this season. So, uh, I don't know. Again, I think a lot of people were like, wow, maybe this is the year they finally put it all together. I'm like, mm, I don't think it is, but we'll see. I find this, Toronto's still a bit of a... F- like th- there was a lot of energy when they, you know, the had the Jose Batista, uh, Edwin Encarnacion years a few years ago. I think there was a lot of people excited about baseball again, and that was fun to watch. And maybe it'll heat up as we get into September, and they're making a run. But I, I just feel like this is still a bit of a fair weather baseball city where, like, when they're good, people care. When they're mediocre, nobody cares. And when they're bad, like, <laughs> there may as well be no baseball team in town. It's um it's interesting to see how people react. Yeah. Fan Expo Canada coming up on the 24th, mm. 25th, 26th and 27th. I think we'll have to get the uh wear our spotcast gear to Fan Expo and uh put a little sign on that yeah. says ask me for a pin or a sticker. Yeah, mm. true, true. You yeah, know, yeah. uh actually it it occurred to me that uh you know, uh Anson Mount and Ethan Pike and Michelle Hurd and some of the people are going to be there. I think, you know, is it worth paying? No, they won't. Yeah, oh, no, they are. They're coming. They, they are allowed to come. What? They are coming. Yeah, because I, uh, I think Zach, what's his name from Shazam, was getting grief for being at some expo thing, right? Yeah, no, Michelle Hurd is is part of the negotiating committee, and so she's said she's coming, and she said that they're basically, the they are putting sort of restrictions on what they will and won't do when they're at these events. So, like, I don't think they're, like explicitly going to be you know doing panels that talk about certain things but they are doing their appearances and stuff like that so um yeah so so from the trek world yeah we've got um we've got michelle hurd we've got anson mount ethan peck um i think that's might be it from trek there are obviously a number of oh it's todd stashwick's going to be there too the guy who was the um the captain in picard oh and gates mcfadden's gonna be there too but i was just thinking you know just is it worth paying the you know whatever 75 80 bucks to go get an autograph just to give them a a spot cast pin and ask them to wear it (laughs) (laughs) or even tell them about it yeah 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 i looked to to sort of see what they're what they're charging because i actually have all the prices and stuff up on the website now so like to to get an autograph from from um anson mount is 90 dollars canadian to get a uh, photo that include a picture or no no to get a photo with him is 95 so i don't know if that's like you have to pay for both of those things and one's an autograph and one's a thing but yeah so he was like yeah 90 and 95 and then um i think ethan peck was cheaper i think let's see he was uh yeah autograph is 60 and a photo is 70 
so it's funny that they like set the rates on these things by by themselves i guess um yeah, it's my time is worth yeah. this. Um, no, no, you know, what, you know what it is. It's not just the agent. It's like we talked about it. The agent gets some of it. Oh yeah, publicist gets some of it. But some yeah. of them are crazy. Like Hayden Christensen won't even do photos with you. Uh, but then his is like really explicit. It's like uh, if he if he signs a, a you know a photograph, it's this much. If he signs a, a an item like a poster it's even more if he signs something like a lightsaber it's even more if he if you ask him to add like sign it you know hayden christensen darth vader or anakin skywalker it costs an extra amount like it's 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 really interesting um and they just announced that um well he is freaking darth vader right so he is they just announced that uh, millie he's the only living one he's the only living one too because because yeah, it's um, true it's true david David, what's his name? Died. Prowse, right? yeah. Um, Prowse, yeah. Millie Bobby Brown is now coming to uh, Fan Expo, which is not a small deal. She's a pretty big celebrity. Um, and yeah, it's 160 bucks for a photo with her. So again, some of them are like pretty steep. Um, but you know. Is that on the Fan Expo site? Yeah, if you go into the celebrity guest site, it basically lists all their names. It tells you which days they're going to be there. And if you click through onto their, their you know, individual pages, it tells you individually what, what they are willing to do and what they will charge you for it uh, as far as you know what you want to get into it's fanexpohq.com 85 bucks for a picture with gates mcfadden yeah so if you pick fan fan expo canada 2023 because there is uh, fan expo is all over the north america now oh really oh okay yeah, they have events well, in, in multiple cities uh my friend kevin is still actively involved with the um guest stuff yeah they're in chicago this uh this week yeah yeah um so if you click on the toronto one or the canada one and then you click through to the uh the celebrity guests list the stupid arc browser i gotta complain about that i was complaining about before thanks keen for recommending the arc browser <laughs> i just texted it to you the uh the link that's no, that's where I am. But if you scroll it's down, it's, it's a celebrity guest. Then you scroll down, and it should be like I'm seeing okay, pictures of all the different actors and copy and paste into Arc because Arc is stupid. Teen. <laughs> right. Well, this guy's going through the ringer this week. Is he's a hero? He he's a today. villain. Oh, you have to sign up too as well. Like, or is Kevin Smith coming? Kevin's not. Was just using him? They're just using him that's, for yeah. Advertising I think it's or... a past. You know, like Kevin was here before. Jason Lee's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, Heavy Chase, Christina Ricci. Yeah, the the character arc here is is really. Uh, I'm gonna make a, a a callback to the spoilers. Death of Dinobot in Beast Wars, which I looked up to make sure I get it correct. Tell my tale to those who ask. Tell it truly. The ill deeds along with the good, and let me be judged accordingly. The rest is silence. Hmm. Sorry, what was that for? That was for the uh, the <laughs> the ill deeds and the good deeds that uh, that Keen had as a, as a as a character arc, if we call it that, on this very show. <laughs> yeah. is, is Jamie Kennedy actually uh, Jamie Kennedy? Is it actually a celebrity? I mean, I think what they're doing is a whole uh, scream thing there, right? They've got uh, yeah, yeah. Nev Campbell, Matthew, oh, Matthew Lillard, Lillard, Skeeto Lillard, Rich, yeah. and Jamie yeah. Kennedy. So that's four people from from Scream that they're bringing together. And the same yeah, thing Jason for Vacation, coming. they've got. Uh, um, Chevy Chase, and then they got Christy Brinkley and Dana Barron and uh, Anthony yeah. Michael Hall. So they've got like a whole vacation. So you can get like, you know, if you had like a vacation poster or something, you can get all the celebrities to sign it. And there's a bunch of people from the office. And yeah, so I guess uh, it depends what you're into. What's a table photo price? 
as opposed to an autograph. I believe it right. means that they have photos of like different oh. versions of themselves. Like you'll see that on the, some of the celebrity right. tables, it'd be like, there's a picture of them as this character or this character yeah. or this character. And you get, you buy that and then you get to some sign it. So it ends up being twice the cost or whatever. Yeah. But it was the same thing as going across the hall. Like I did when I, when I met Matt Smith as I had, I bought it, went and bought a ticket, a picture of him and then I took it over and it got it signed. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when I got the, um, when I met Cure Delay and Gary Lockhart, uh, I'm pretty sure they had, you had the posters there and I just said, yeah, I want that one signed. And then they signed it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think they do. So, it's again, depends on the, like, I, I don't, I don't remember having to pay twice was what, what I'm saying. Like I remember paying the one time. Right. So familiar, Bobby Brown was different with hair. <laughs> Wendelin Christie. Cool. Oh, what did I just do? I just hit something. There we go. The two finger swipe thing of death. Well, my uh, yes. my kids have already told me that they both want to go, so uh, I assume we'll do the really? whole, do the whole gang at some point. We'll go. All right, and that's on a Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay, well, it's pretty close to my PTO, so I don't know if I can squeeze another day in. Or twenty fourth. Oh no! Oh, I'm going to be in um, California that weekend. Oh, is that that's the whole weekend you're away? Yeah. Womp, womp. So Sher- Sherry's going to enjoy looking after three dogs by herself. <laughs> yeah. Can you recruit a cousin to come back up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to miss it. Oh, well. Oh. That's too bad. But I have to go play with Apple hardware. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. no. I know. What a shame, eh? And have breakfast <laughs> on the Embarcadero on Saturday morning. It's awful. <laughs> awful. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to stand it. Yeah. That's, it's, it's a sacrifice we appreciate you making for us. Yeah. Anyway, I have to go in cool. um, and mourn mourn the loss of missing out on Fan Expo. Well, God, oh, well. Godspeed. All right. Talk soon. Yeah. Jaime, have a good trip. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Talk to you okay. all later. Have a good Bye, trip. Guys. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. Let's find the off buttons for this thing. Bye. 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 When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.